Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. We are back again and continuing in our developing series on things that we in evangelicalism think about in an unbiblical manner. I know we've talked about confession, we talked about uh, abiding uh, over the last couple weeks, but what we want to do is jump into this idea of a carnal Christian. And today we want to talk about that age-old phrase, the carnal Christian, that gets thrown around a lot, and which begs the question, is there such a thing as a carnal Christian? You're smiling. (laughs) the I mean, answer I, is yes, yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, and we're going to define that. So um, in some ways, we're all carnal Christians, okay, because we're sinners. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to clarify that. We're going to define it biblically. But I think we need to understand that sometimes when we're debunking things that are unbiblical, I think what can happen is is you kind of come across really hard when there's still some truth in what was being said and it just got misunderstood. Right. Okay. Hey, we were praying before we came on, and uh, – you know, uh, the prayer is the goal is not just to prove somebody who's a brother wrong. Right. The goal is to be faithful to the word. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about three things today, which typically is our normal mode on how Three's we communicate. Three is a good number, right? We've done four. Sometimes we've seven. Yeah. You really throw me off in how I plot out our time when you do that. <laughs> but anyway, we talk about three things today. The fallacy of carnality, which you make that very difficult to say by putting those words together. But the fallacy of carnality and the Christian, the fight with a carnality and the Christian, and the future of carnality and the Christian. We're going to have several passages we're working through, so just bear with this. But starting off here, the fallacy of carnality and the Christian, where's the fallacy? So let's define it now. The fallacy of carnality and the Christian comes from how people, how Christians, how Bible commentators and teachers have looked at a passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, in particular 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. It's funny how we will, and just right on the front end, we just ought to say that it's a problem with interpretation. Right. That's that's why it's important that we – And it always starts, I think, with interpretation when you have something that is of a unbiblical manner. Hermeneutics is such an important thing. Right. There are principles of interpretation. And in this case, um, people have taken something Paul said to the Corinthian Christians in his letter. He was talking to them about an issue or some issues. And he said, so when I talked with you, I couldn't talk with you as unto spiritual but as unto carnal. And then he says in that, that passage, for are you not yet carnal? And so people have taken that statement and interpreted that right. to mean that the Christians he was talking to were a certain kind of Christian. They were carnal Christians. He also referred to spiritual, so they weren't spiritual Christians, they were carnal Christians. That has been applied, and that has been interpreted that way, so that uh, then, so you have this problem of interpretation. Okay, what did Paul mean then? You know, he obviously says they're carnal. And he also says they're not spiritual, so that means there are carnal Christians or are spiritual Christians. Well, no, not necessarily. What we're assuming, it's, a, it's an assumption that's being made here, assuming something as true simply because of the way we take the wording. 
It is important how things are said. Yes, wording does matter. But we can't assume in any passage that that because a writer is saying something to a particular situation that we can take a broader look and say, oh, so that means this person is this and this person is that. Why do you think we do that? And I, I just don't want to get us too much off a topic, but in this light of talking about things that are unbiblical or how we think unbiblically in evangelicalism about certain terms and phrases and and things we've always said, why is it that we make these broad applications that are just not there? Why do you think that happens? Because we we move from the general to the specific instead of from a specific to the general. So we start generally instead yeah, of starting specifically. But the, the the question I have, I don't think we think logically, okay, not, not biblically logically. Yeah, I just, I think we we jump off the cliff with our with our parachute. And don't know if the ripcord works, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think there's probably some overzealous characteristics that are taking place here. There's a there's a there's a, a desire to want to find out what the scripture says and have the answer and obey it, yeah. or or tell other people so they know what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, or, or to have yeah, all the some answers, kind of a, some kind of a really good answer, especially something that's not quite understandable all the time. Well, the question then the question comes up: Were the were the Corinthians he was talking to not carnal? When the answer is obviously yes, they were. He says they right. are, and he, but he says he doesn't say you're not spiritual. He says I couldn't talk to you as like Which spiritual people. I talk to you like carnal people. Are you not yet carnal? And you're still carnal. And uh, um, so there's a problem with interpretation, and that is um, that this is not teaching us that there's a certain classification of Christian. Right. Some are carnal. Some are spiritual. There's then so therefore there's problem with application, and we we talk with people or we talk think of ourselves. Oh, I'm just I'm just a carnal Christian. I need to rededicate my life. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not spiritual. Um, or we're talking to a brother. What well, maybe your problem is you're just a carnal Christian. You know, there's three kinds of Christian. There's three kinds of people: carnal Christians, spiritual Christians, and lost people. But nowhere does Scripture say that. Nowhere does Scripture classify Christians in that way. This passage does not classify Christians into two kinds of Christians. Because he's actually speaking to Christians. We only think that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like He's yeah. speaking to people who are believers, which is most of the time the case in these yeah. apostolic books. We do that because someone back there made that. And, and this has been a discussion. Augustine originally held that view, that, that well, it, well, I say held that view. He held the view at Romans 7, which we'll get to in a moment, that Paul was not talking about a Christian, but Paul's talking about an unbeliever. Right. Paul, Augustine changed his view later. But so we look at people who look at Scripture from a more man-centered view, and they want to come up with these explanations, and we assume that the explanation, it, it seems to fit, right? That's the problem. I'm carnal, or he's carnal, or she's carnal. That's their problem. They're not spiritual. But that's not what the the passage doesn't say that. We impose that on the passage. Which it then brings up this issue of hermeneutics and knowing how to approach Scripture. And I think that is probably the biggest reason why we have so much unbiblical thinking that we're talking about right now in these last two episodes and what we're talking about in this episode. And I, and I think until we understand how to view Scripture – and we've done things on hermeneutics before – so you can go back to the annals of P or uh, crosstalk episodes, and you can find it. But I think that's the issue. I'll give you an example. 
We're at Passion for Christ. It's been several years back. Our pastor Dave was there. We're going through the questions for the panel. You know, we have a panel discussion, right. Q&A. And he's, we're, well, I'm going through the questions with both of you. All the speakers are there, and it's you and him. I think maybe Michael might have been there. I don't remember. And we're going through these questions, and all of a sudden, Dave just kind of stops. He goes, can I, can I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. And he's like. Please do. He's like, when we go up, can I say something before we get into these questions? And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I guess well, it depends what on what you want to say. say. <laughs> He's yeah. like, well, I really want to deal with the issue of hermeneutics and how you approach Scripture. Right. And, and I knew where he was going with this because you look at all these questions, and they're not bad questions. They're great questions, fantastic questions. But his point, which he ended up saying before we went into everything, if you don't have the understanding of how to approach Scripture, interpret Scripture, which is hermeneutics, then you're going to have questions like this, and they're never going to be answered. Yeah. You yourself don't know how to go and answer these questions. You should be able to if you know how to approach Scripture. And I thought it was so good because we got to deal with the, the, the issue, the root issue, before we can even answer these questions. Because I can give you an answer, and you may not agree with that because you're not knowing where I'm coming from. And I think that's what we're doing here and what can be applied in the other past two episodes. It's how you approach the scripture yeah and and often people will make a general application of something that happens say in a historical passage say for instance i was thinking of philip and he, he was he ran up on the ethiopian eunuch and the ethiopian was reading in isaiah and the spirit moved uh, um, philip to speak to him ask him some questions the fellow was converted he trusted jesus was baptized and philip was called away by the spirit to another place now, some people, by the way they interpret Scripture, and this is a more extreme example, would say that's what the Spirit does. He catches people away, or he, he mm-hmm. talks to you and tells you to speak to people. That's not what that passage says. It says it's what happened then. It doesn't that's not say what that's the normal about. way the Spirit of God works. That's assuming something. Well, it would be kind of like saying, you know, the passage where the person gets caught up in a chariot of fire and taken up to heaven. Mm-hmm. I, I, we don't hear that happening again. Yeah. When was the last time you saw that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so we do have to be careful. Those type of things are fantastical because they don't happen all the time, you know. But anyway, getting back to what we're talking about here, we, we have a problem with interpretation. What else when we talk and about we have the fallacy? About, so yeah. we have this problem with application. Right. And that they, That's when you the interpret something wrong, now you have to start yeah. making applications to people, which is going to lead them astray and understanding biblically their own condition or their own situation. So that's that's the fallacy. There's this misinterpretation of this Corinthian passage, and a whole system about sanctification has been built upon it. Because we're not realizing that he's talking to a Christian audience. I'm not saying there may not have been an unbeliever in that but audience, but primarily there's a Christian audience. He's writing to some churches or church. And he's, he's talking about an issue or issues. Okay. So I think we have to see that. Well, and we're going to move into another point here, but th- th- just to introduce that is Paul says in Romans 7, of himself. I was trying not to say that yet. But go Well, ahead. we're going there. <laughs> I am carnal. Right. He, just, he, he doesn't just say, uh, I used to be carnal. He doesn't say. I, I was sh-. carnal. He says, I am carnal. Yeah. Now, if Paul is carnal. You know, well, it begs that the question: Are we not all carnal? Which leads us to right. our next point, right? So, and and I asked the question: 
is there such thing as a carnal Christian? And we said yes and no. So this is where this answer or this defining is going to come from. So we had the fight with carnality and the Christian. So if we are carnal Christians in the truest sense of the word, what what are we talking about? Well, Romans 7 I would encourage people to read William Hendrickson on this. Even if, I mean, it's a little technical, but if you you can read it, and most our readers can read it and and get a really he is a really good discussion on this Romans seven passage, and um, um, Paul refers to this fight he has with sin with the flesh. Car- carnal is the word. The Latin word carne, uh, even the Spanish word for meat is carne or carnos or something like that. So um, it's, it refers to flesh. It refers to that part of us, that that human part of us, that fleshly part of us. And so Paul calls himself carnal. He says, I am carnal. So, so what do we see in this fight? We see it in Paul illustrated for us in Romans 7. We see a failure. What is his failure? Well, throughout he's a sinner. he sins. Right, yes. he sins. He, he readily admits he sins. Right. He, in fact, he says, uh, "I am carnal, sold as a slave to sin. Mm. Uh, I'm carnal, sold under sin." He also uh, says, "I'm the chief of sinners." He says that later. The least of the apostles. Yeah. So we never get the impression Paul is not in the fight. If you look at Roman uh, if you look at Philippians chapter 3 in that passage where he says not that I have already attained either were already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of by Christ Jesus. Brother, I count myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do. Pursue, press toward the mark. And so we see this man who is in pursuit of something but he's has his failures, and he 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 sins. We you say, well, what did he do? We don't we're not told. That's not really important. We just know he, he fails. He tells us himself, and what w- one of us as Christians can't relate to that, mm-hmm. because not only do we see the failure, we see the frustration. We know something of the frustration Paul Paul went through. When I would do good, he said, well, first he says uh, uh, that which I would do, I don't do. And what I would do, want to do, I, I don't want to do, I do. <laughs> and so I find in the law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. That's the frustration. Who, which of us does not know that frustration? That right. I want to do the right thing, but I do the wrong thing. Right. I don't want to do the wrong thing, but I do the wrong thing. Well, um, and that's where we get into the discussion of remaining sin. Yes. And and sanctification, which you brought that up earlier, this really all has to do with how you view sanctification. And if you see us as a work in progress, meaning we are redeemed, but we're in the process of being made more like him. And we know that we won't be fully made like him until we are in glory, meaning I don't mean we are going to be God. What I mean by is, is like him in character. We reflect him as who he sh- is. If we understand that, then it begins to start putting feet on what we're talking about here in this idea of, of carnality. Right. And so Paul just simply makes an admission. There's a, there's a battle. There's a fight going on here. And the fight is between the, the flesh, carnality, and mm-hmm. the Christian. Yeah. And we all know that fight. All Christians are carnal. 
Right. We still have the flesh. We That's still, why we needed Christ in the first place. We don't like to say, well, we have two natures. We have a, uh, we have a fallen nature and a um, a redeemed nature and a, you know, a, a fleshy nature and a spiritual. But there is, whatever you call it, there is this remaining sin, as you mentioned, that sticks with us and creates frustration for us. We don't live this perfect life that we feel we ought we know we ought, and we we fall more often than we care to admit. Well, and that that brings another question because I want to make sure we we address this. We, we're defining carnality as being the fact that we are sinners, okay? Mm-hmm. That it's we purest form. Yeah, we are saved sinners. We are saved carnal sinners. Not to be redundant, but but the question comes to then. What are those people that we thought were Christians and we put this label that they're carnal Christians from the old way of thinking? What are they? What are these Christians? Are they Christians? Are they not Christians? People that we thought were Christian but now don't give evidence they're Christian, but we're just going to put a label on them as the carnal Christians and the old way of thinking. What are they if they're not that? Well, what we have done, at the very least, is given people an excuse for sinful lives. Mm. You know, I, I may have shared this before. I was, we were a part of a ministry, and the head of that ministry, I had to take him to the airport. And he had been talking to a man who had been unfaithful to his wife like, something like 30-some times. It was a long time. Yeah, just multiple to- it, multiple events of, of unfaithfulness um, to his infidelity, wife. Infidelity, yeah. Literal unfaithfulness to his wife. And so this leader asked me what what I say to him. And I said, well, at the very least, we do not do this man a favor by giving him the impression that he's a Christian. Mm. And see, very often we we will talk to people, and even ourselves, if we're, you know, it could be. I mean, Christians will talk to themselves and say, well, I, I know I'm a Christian because, you know, I asked Jesus into my heart or, you know, I – Prayed to sinner's prayer in a minute, and uh, but I, I, my life is just wrecked by sin. I just I do this. All I, I, there's no evidence of growth out of sin. This man was an example of that. We give people the impression that they can be a Christian and live the way they want, and, and never and, repent and never turn from their sin. And we're not talking about somebody who who's struggling with a besetting sin, but they're still in the Word. They're faithful with the people of God. They're trying to be in places to where they can grow and learn. And yeah. they're seeking accountability or they're responding when people point out things. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who will not respond. Like in that situation of that gentleman and going to him and if he's been approached, which it sounds like he had been, and it doesn't really sound like he's changing. Again, we do people a disservice by saying, well, they know Jesus, but they're just a carnal Christian. Maybe they don't know Christ. You shall know them by their fruits. And, and and if there's no fruit. His fruit was pretty obvious. Now, God's kingdom in heaven when we're all there. We'll, and if somebody we'll says, know. well, I can't help it, then yeah. they're okay. Okay, well, then we know. Okay, well, that, now we know what we're working with. That may be our point there. <laughs> and I don't want to land here because we could stay here a long time, but I just want to give that altering view because, or I should say not altering view, but what has always been and what we've put the label on, because that's where people go and that's the people they deal with all the time. Yeah. So I think that helps us as we're working through this to understand why that thinking has developed. And and some Because, hey, we're not is, supposed to pass judgment, right? I mean, <laughs> who am I to judge, right? 
Well, well, we let the Word of God judge. I think that's the key. It, exactly. Yeah. We have built a system that says the carnal Christian is a certain kind of Christian who's just not living for the Lord, right. who lives a sinful life, and they just need to, to come back to the Lord. Maybe they need to be converted. Maybe we don't need to tell them. Right. In fact, I think we don't need to tell them they're a carnal Christian. We don't need to assume that they're a Christian. I just no. I don't. I'm not going to tell that person. You just you you, you trusted Jesus one day, then you know you never can be lost again. So that's true if you tr- truly trusted Jesus. But maybe you didn't truly. But you're not giving repent. evidence of that. Yes, and turn to Christ. That's what we see here in this fight, which probably means we should move on to our yes, third point. Yes, we're running out of time, but that's okay. I thought that was good. We needed to deal with that. Um, the, f- the future now, that's the next point here, the last point. The future of carnality and the Christian. We're still in Romans 7 here. What is the future? Within the biblical concept of carnality and what we're talking about. Yeah, and before I get to the, the sub-points on that, I, the church needs to take this to heart. The local church. Here's where this the, the rubber meets the road. Here's where the rub is. And that is that we have church leaders who will sort of play around with their members. And the church's responsibility is to discipline its members and to bring them face-to-face with their own life and whether or not it's being lived in accordance with what the Word of God says. People can't come to the Lord's Supper if they're living in known sin. Right. People can't. Participate. Do we not other. say that every time we have the Lord's Supper? Yeah. No. If you're living right. in known sin and you know it, and you're just playing around at this, playing fast right. and loose with God, you can't say that you're a Christian. We can't. We can't say with confidence that you are right with God mm. and right with the people of God. So, what's the future hold for carnality and the Christian? Well, the future holds conflict. And there's <laughs> you know, no way around it. Yeah. The, the, the Christian life is a life of conflict. Conflict with self, conflict with sin. Well, uh, I think it's easy. Let's say this. When sin entered the world, back with Adam and Eve, conflict entered the world. There's been conflict ever since. And there's yeah. no way around it. Yeah. So um, I mean, live peaceably with all men as much as is within your power, the Scripture says, especially the household of faith. Right. And then there's personal but conflict. It's, it, conflict will come and whoa. To those it comes to. I mean, it's just that the way it is. Yeah, but it's like the scriptures say, and like the the old invitation hymn says, fighting's within and fears without. You know, fighting. There's this inner conflict. There's this struggle we go through. And um, we will always have this conflict with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Paul in Romans 7 really talks about it. I, I, this is the conflict I have. Who shall deliver me from this dead body, this body of death? There's the frustration we talked right. about earlier. So the future for us as Christians, until Jesus comes, is conflict. So the future holds conflict, and the future holds conquest. And this is the best part, I think. <laughs> here's, the thing the that we str- here's the thing we struggle with, and that – Jesus won the victory on the cross. Why don't we live in that victory? Why don't we experience that victory perfectly? Because we're still living in a body of death, mm. a body that is Which affected is what by Paul sin. Paul has been talking about. You know, we don't just eat one donut. <laughs> we eat ten. And this is – I know it sounds no, like a great. funny No, it's great. I mean, story. we can all identify. We don't At least just, most of us can. Maybe yeah. you don't do sweets. Maybe you do something else. I don't hey, know. Whatever. I right. mean, whether it's sex or food, right. once is not enough. Never. You know, and, and I say that to say that – 
It doesn't mean you can't have another donut. I, I, that's not the point. The point is the flesh wants always more of what is not good for it or what the conflict is about. Right. And, you know, it – And so We're not saying sex is bad. We're just saying within the sinful realm of that, that's what happens. We live yeah. in this tension between the now and not yet. The what I would do, I don't. What I wouldn't do, I do. Mm-hmm. You know, we have something coming that's not here yet. This, there's something that's going to be fulfilled for us that has not yet been fulfilled. What does Paul say? Who shall deliver me from this dead body, this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. And then he says in Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free from the law of sin. I know I had to struggle. This conflict. But I, I'm not in bondage to sin. I can obey God. I don't perfectly obey God, but I have the ability, the power to obey God. Well in and, Christ. And as we close here, I think it's for the believer, it's an encouragement. Because if if you give it evidence that you're pursuing Christ, then be encouraged, there's hope here. Yes. For the unbeliever who's listened to this, because I think we can't assume there's hope. The gospel brings hope. Come to Jesus. Yeah. And that's it's just yeah. that simple. Now yeah. we can dissect it, we can talk about it, we can grow in it. But for today, it's just that simple. It is. There is hope. And one day for us who know Jesus, absolutely, we will obey him perfectly. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks everyone so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.